It was always second Sunday here at Arcadia Valley Community Church is Communion Sunday. The, the day that, that we set aside for remembrance of what Christ has done and to observe the Lord's Supper. And I've often wondered what your thoughts are coming into Second Sunday. Are, are you as excited for Second Sunday as you are for First Sunday? Or Third Sunday? And, and for those who may be listening to this and wondering what I'm talking about, we have breakfast on the first Sunday of every month. We have lunch on the third Sunday of every month. The second Sunday in between. Every Sunday is the Lord's Day. Amen? Every Sunday is the Lord's Day. And so I pray, and I know I've said this quite often, that this never becomes so routine that, that in your mind you may be thinking, well, here we go again. When I hear the story again, when I hear a lot of the same songs, we're going to hear a lot of the same verses, we're going to hear it again. I've heard it, I've heard it. <laughs> well, as long as I'm here, you're going to keep hearing it because there's no greater story, there's no greater account in, in Scripture to tell than of Christ and Him crucified. The Apostle Paul said, Forbid it that I should glory save in the cross of Jesus Christ. He said, I have declared that I would know nothing save Christ and Him crucified. No greater thing than to come with the specific thought of today, Lord, we're going to honor You by remembering. Because why do we do this? Because of who Jesus is, and of what He has asked us to do. That's why we do it. To remember Him. To remember Him. Because, child of God, we owe everything, everything, regarding our salvation and, and our acceptance and right standing to God the Father, we owe it all to the work of the cross. All of it. The, the songs we sang this morning, the, the opening that Brother Brian did and, 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 and talking about such a great salvation. <laughs> Jesus took upon Himself our sins and He paid the penalty. He absorbed the wrath of God for all who would believe. Jesus paid it all. Well, now we now we got to sing that, don't we? Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Crimson blood 
washed my sins white as snow. (laughs) The miracle, the miracle of salvation. And so let us be reminded again. Reminded again. Let's go into 1 Corinthians 11th chapter, verse 23 through 26 again. (laughs) This Apostle Paul, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So Father, once again, we just come before you asking you to pour out your spirit upon this place. Or draw us close to you. Help us to have a, a, a... a picture, a a vision of the cross and of what Christ has done. And Lord, help us to remember and never forget and be overwhelmed and thankful. Help us, Lord, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. In remembrance of me. Now, one writer said it this way. So we remember what happened long ago. Jesus died. But the bread and the juice is not here just to help you remember an event in the past, but they are here to remind you that God's promise is really true because Christ's death as payment for your sins is as real as the cup you drink and the bread you eat. See, He gave us this on the night he was betrayed, and we have been, we had been in uh, John fifteen. We we been talking about those verses. I am the vine, you are the branches. This is right after he was betrayed. So as surely as you can drink from the cup and taste the bread, child of God, surely Christ has died for the forgiveness of your sins. It's that real. And the bread and the cup are to remind us of the reality of Christ's sacrifice. That His obedience and His suffering, talked of His suffering this morning, was real and was complete and sufficient to redeem us back to God. Amen? And today, it's been a while uh, since we've looked at, you know, there's times we have gone to uh, different catechisms, And today I want to look at some of the Heidelberg Catechism. This was written in 1563. And it was written as a standard of unity for uh, the Reformed believers of the day. And it was laid out in a fashion to, to be a way to teach the doctrines of the Bible by having a series of questions and then the answers backed up with scriptures of why they believe what they believe. 
And so we, I just want to go through some of these this morning. Just as a reminder, uh, it, you, you can go, and some of you may even have a copy of this uh, on your phone or something, but question 75 of the Heidelberg Catechism, how does the Holy Supper remind and assure you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all His benefits? Answer, in this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat this broken bread and to drink this cup in remembrance of Him. With this command come these promises. And I'm not going to read all of the, the verses that, that they have here. And then first was that. And then second, as surely as I receive from the hand of the one who serves and taste with my mouth the bread and cup of the Lord, given me as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely He nourishes and refreshes my soul for eternal life with His crucified body and poured out blood. On the sign was, wasn't, wasn't there one feed on me? Or I, I, now I'm trying. Now I'm, maybe I'm just thinking of the sermon. No, but but we know we, we talked about that. That our nourishment comes from the Word of God and from Him. And Jesus said to feed on me because we need Him. As surely as a worker needs to take time for to eat a meal so that he would have strength for the day, so surely we need the Word of God as nourishment for us to carry on as we should. The Word of God. The Word of God. In Luke 22, verses 19 and 20. And He took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is My body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Likewise, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood, which is shed for you. Question 76 refers to uh, what, what does it mean to eat the bread and drink the cup of communion? Answer, it means to accept with a believing heart the entire suffering and death of Christ and thereby to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. But it means more. Through the Holy Spirit, who lives both in Christ and in us, don't ever forget that, the Holy Spirit in us, we are united more and more to Christ's blessed body. And so, although He is in heaven and we are on earth, we are flesh of His flesh and bone of His bone. And we forever live on and are governed by one spirit as the members of our body are by one soul. By Christ. One spirit. The spirit of God in us. John 6.35 And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Then verse 40, John 6. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son, the Son of God, everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Raise Him up at the last day. What's that referring to? Resurrection. Resurrection. Uh, Romans 8, verse 11. Now th this is me. I'm adding this. 
But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, child of God, does it? Does He? Yes. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Because He lives, we shall live also. Also. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one Spirit, one Spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. One Spirit. Only one true, true Spirit of God. Uh, uh, next week's sermon probably going to be on that verse 11 in Romans chapter 2. No partiality with God. No partiality. Baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, there's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to God the Father. And that's through Christ. That's through Christ. Whether Jew or Greek or slave or free, all have been made to drink into one spirit. Then uh, I'm adding Romans 8, verse 9. So if you're looking at the catechism and you're wondering where's these verses coming from, we're adding some as we go here too. Romans 8, verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. In other words, if indeed you are saved, you are redeemed. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And that answers the question, does every born-again believer have the Holy Spirit indwelling them? Yes. If the Spirit is not in them, they're not His. How do we know that we're saved? The Spirit bears witness with our spirit, with, with our being that we are children of God. It's the Holy Spirit that lets us know that we are saved. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15 through 17. Now we're back into the verses of the, of the answer. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. That's, that's scripture from, from the marriage vows, isn't it? Verse 17, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. With him. One spirit. Ephesians 5, verse 29 and 30. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. The church is the body of Christ. For we are members of his body and his flesh and of his bones. 1 John 4 verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his Spirit. That this is how we know that we are His. Because He has given every born-again believer His Spirit. First John 3, verse 24. Now He who keeps His commandments 
abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So is there any doubt of the spirit of God speaking and moving in the hearts and minds of born again believers? That's how we know that we are his. I'm going to go to question 81 that asks this, who should come to the Lord's table? That's, that's a question that I, sometimes I've gotten asked uh, through the years. Answer. I, I, I love this answer. Who should come to the table? But because sometimes people will, will talk to me and say, I'm, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to come. I, 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 I'm, 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 so often I'm just such a failure. Failure. I'm prone to wonder. I'm prone to leave the God I love. I, I don't feel that I should come. <laughs> Listen to this answer. Who should come? Those who are displeased with themselves because of their sins. That's the ones that should come. Those who are displeased with themselves because of their sins. Child of God, are you displeased with yourself because you still sin? I I am. Sometimes I go... <laughs> How can a true believer say such a thing or do such a thing? Have you ever done that? Come to the table. Who should come to the table? Those who are displeased with themselves because of their sins, but who nevertheless trust that their sins are pardoned and that their remaining weakness is covered by the suffering and death of Christ and who also desire more and more to strengthen their faith and to lead a better life. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Who should come? I'll, I'll read it again. Who should come? Those who are displeased with themselves because of their sins, but who nevertheless trust that their sins are pardoned and that their remaining weakness is covered by the suffering and death of Christ and who also desire more and more to strengthen their faith and to lead a better life. A more obedient life. A, a life of faith and trust in Him. You see. And here's, here's the add-on. This, this is still in the answer. That, that's who, who should come. <laughs> Hypocrites and those who are unrepentant, however, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's why I always say this is only for born-again believers. Because an unbeliever that just come up here and go through the motions, you're just drinking judgment upon yourself. So may the Lord's Supper cause us to remember not just the past, but also for what Christ is to us today and forevermore. Remember what He has done. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? And I know I've talked about this quite often throughout the years. What is this communion? What is this communion? Uh, the, I've got the ESV there, Chase. This is the next one under. And it translated this way, instead of being communion, it's participation. 
the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? See, that word translated as communion or participation in the Greek is the word that's familiar to us. And, and I know I've talked about this, Dwayne, because of uh, Camp Koinonia. That, that's the word. That's the word. Koinonia. It means participation, fellowship, partnership. John Piper, quote, You see, there is something more going on when we come to this table than just a mental exercise of remembering something that happened some 2,000 years ago. But rather, Paul says, Child of God, you are entering into the story. When you take this bread and you take this cup, you are participating. You're having fellowship. You're having communion with Christ. That we would have a sense, a real sense, of the presence of Christ when we come to the table. Not in a real physical presence as some would believe, but in the reality of a true spiritual presence. Joining us together in one spirit, bringing us up to Christ, having been seated in the heavenly places. End quote. I thought that was good. Think of it as a participation. We, we read those verses that we are all one spirit with Christ. And so we come and we participate. One spirit with Christ. Now the Puritan Richard Baxter said this, Nowhere is God so near to man as in Jesus Christ, and nowhere is Christ so familiarly represented to us, so near to us, as in this holy sacrament. As we come, as we remember, and as we take, and as we can feel, and we can taste, as, as sure as we can feel and taste that little piece of bread, as sure as we can take that cup and drink it, that's as sure as Christ died on the cross. They have fellowship with Him. Another writer said this, you know, the, the Lord's Supper, He is not an absent host of this supper, but He is present. He is near. I like that too. So when we participate in communion, we are announcing something to the world that Jesus died for my sins. The Lord Jesus is coming again. As often as you do this, till He comes, till He comes, and I will wait on Him and proclaim His death till He comes. Isn't in, in there a part of expectation and hope in this? That this, you know, we say the Lord's Supper, and this is what we do while we're on this earth. And I know I've said this before, but this is but an appetizer of the supper that is yet to come. Amen? The marriage supper of the Lamb with Him in glory, together with the multitude. We get a brief picture of this supper in Revelation 19, verses 6 and 7. We read this already as, as, as we sang that one song. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, 
and his wife has made herself ready. And again, who is the wife? The bride of Christ, his church, those who have been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. Then verse 9 in Revelation 19, Then he said to me, write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. Have you been called? Have you been called? Are you born again? If you're born again, you've been called. You've been called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. What a great day that will be. Let's go to Revelation 5, 9 through 13. This gets a picture of those who praised the Lamb that was slain. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy. How often do you think we're going to repeat those little words? You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain. And have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor, and glory, and blessing, and every creature which is in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing, and honor, and glory, and power be to Him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, forever and ever. The the voices of hallelujah, the voice as mighty thunderings throughout eternity. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. The Lamb of God who redeemed us to God by His blood. 1 Peter 1 verses 18 and 19. Knowing that you were not redeemed by corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, they could pause over me. That could be a sermon right there, couldn't there? It's not tradition. It's the truth of the Word of God. Not silver or gold. Can't buy your way in. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Verse 19, but. You're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. You see, without His death upon the cross, without His blood shed upon the cross, upon the mercy seat, 
we would be lost. We would be unredeemed. We would be in darkness. But He came and gave Himself. And so as we would come to the table, may we have thanksgiving abounding in our hearts for what He has done. Psalms 107, verses 1 and 2. I love this passage. (laughs) Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. (laughs) Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Don't keep silent. Child of God, let let the redeemed say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. How could we keep silent? How could we? As the Lord would give opportunity. Say so. Of what the Lord has done for you. Say so to your family. Say so to your friends. Say so to your fellow co-workers. Say so to... Anyone that you would meet that that you believe the Holy Spirit is saying, say so. Jesus came to this earth that He created for one purpose. And what was that? To go to the cross. To go to the cross. That's why He came. To take upon Himself the penalty of sin. To take upon Himself sin and then to take upon Himself the penalty bearing the wrath of God poured out upon sin for all who would believe that we might become the righteousness of God. That's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For He, God the Father, made Him, Jesus Christ the Son, who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. We just read that from Revelation 5, 9, For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. So the Lord's table is for the redeemed. Now, in the sight of the Lord, if we are redeemed, blood-bought, we will stand, we will sing songs about it today, before the Lord, clothed in a righteousness not of our own, but in the righteousness of Christ. And because of that, and only that, we will stand before the Father, holy, blameless, and above reproach, because of what Christ has done, what Christ has done. Let's read John 6, verse 40. And this is the will of Him who sent me. This is Jesus talking. So this is the will of the Father who sent Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, to this earth. For this is the will of Him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son, we read this verse earlier from one of the the answers from the Catechism, that everyone who sees the Son not S-U-N, but S-O-N, the Son of God, who sees the Son and believes in Him, 
may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. So those who believe the gospel of Christ, that Christ died for our sins on the cross and took upon Himself the penalty for sin and took upon Himself the wrath of God to secure eternal life for all who would believe, you know the question I'm getting ready to ask. Do you believe? Do you believe? John 3.36 He who believes in the Son, and again, the Son of God, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And there's a, there's a verse... Have that in your memory to go to. If you have a conversation that comes to believing and not believing, and, and I'm okay, and I, it doesn't get much plainer than that right there. Judgment, condemnation, and wrath for the unbeliever, but blood bought mercy and everlasting, eternal life for the believer. Those bought, purchased by the blood of Christ. John 3, verse 14 through 16, we read it often. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Let me pause there, and we've talked about this so often. What are you going to be saved from? You're going to be saved, well, you could say saved from your sin, saved from the wrath of God that will one day fall, as we read, upon all unbelievers. Saved, saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, say so, say so. Confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray. So Heavenly Father, we, we give you thanks again for your word. And, and thank you, Lord that you have provided in, in the account of Christ and the upper room encounter of a way for us to remember the sacrifice of Christ. And so for every believer, oh, make it real to them. As sure as, as we can come and, and hold the piece of bread and drink the cup, that's how real it is that Christ died. So, Lord, help us to have a sense of that. 
and to rejoice in knowing that we are born of the Spirit. That your Spirit dwells in us and in Christ. So Father, should there be anyone even here this morning who is yet lost, or someone who's perhaps just come across this sermon and they're listening to it, and they're yet lost, they're in darkness, they're blinded by sin, and they are even now under your holy wrath. Oh, Father, have mercy. Have mercy. Open their eyes that they may see truth. Uh, Shine light into their darkness. Shine light. Reveal to them your holiness and their sin. And Father, in in that encounter of of coming face to face with our sin and face to face with You, most holy God. Oh Lord, there is no other recourse than to fall before You. And so, Father, grant them faith that they might believe. Believe the Son. Believe the Gospel of Christ. Grant them faith to believe. Lord, grant them repentance as they confess their sin and as they turn from their sin to receive Christ and to follow You. So Lord, help us now as we as we prepare to partake of, of the cup and the bread. Lord, help us to remember and to be forever thankful for what Christ has done. Amen. Amen.